Hey, hey, you're listening to Johnny's Secret Stash. This is John Goldman, and you're listening to us on Radio Harbor Country. That's WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Kara's Cottages, uh, uh, Johnny's Secret Stash is underwritten by Kara's Cottages. One of downtown Kalamazoo's first Airbnbs, Kara's Cottages are within walking distance of local shops, breweries, and some of Michigan's most beautiful walking trails. Additional information at carascottages.com. That's Caras and Cottages with a K. So very happy to welcome today Calvin Conway. Calvin's a, uh, um, a uh, harmonica player, a blues harmonica player, and uh, he's here with uh, my, our mutual buddy, Frank Rotundo, although I'm not sure Frank's going to get mic'd up today. But uh, looking forward to talking with them. All right, we got Calvin Conway. Welcome, Calvin. Thank really you great so to much. have you here. And Frank, great to see you as always. Yeah. And welcome to the studio. Um, glad you, you know, uh, introduced us all together here and everything. And thank you. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to your input. Put the get the mic a little. You know, get a little closer to the mic. Yeah. Well, you just Thanks for it, that. Pull it down. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So. Calvin, uh, uh, I you know last time um, Frank and I talked about ha- uh, having you on the show, you were d- uh, playing at uh, Infusco at that outdoor um, event that they had there a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know I saw some of the video on in- on Instagram, and it was great. I mean, you know, no one's just playing harmonica that I know, and just you know got such a a great style. Where did you uh, start playing harmonica? You know, I started playing. Um, I started playing back in Chicago. Um, my first serious forays into it was I was waiting tables at the House of Blues. Oh yeah, well you can't avoid uh, good music at the House of, of Blues. You know, and they get things multiple times a week there. Totally, and they used to live right around the corner. It was. Oh, uh, is that right? Yeah, oh, nice. <laughs> okay. great spot. Marina City. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, there are uh, a lot of cool people that gravitated uh, to work there as well as not just performers. And uh, I happened to meet a, uh, a Creole line chef uh-huh. uh, named Billy Lee. And he taught me my first couple licks on the harmonica. And we would finish up our shifts uh, at the House of Blues and uh, walk down the streets and alleys and uh, just play some tunes together and uh, just burn the candle and uh, that was kind of my first entrance into wow. into that. So, were you playing any other instruments before that? Yeah, I was raised. Uh, I was raised uh, classically in, uh, in in the church. I sang in the church choir, uh-huh. and um, I took some uh, violin lessons. Um, my mother was really interested in exposing her children to music at every turn that she could. So, uh, yeah, I was exposed to those early on, and then uh, some guitar. And then after harmonica, I've started playing some uh, lap steel guitar. Oh, yeah, cool. And, um, and then I fooled around with a little bit of bass. I played bass on, uh, on all the songs on Dark Horse Deluxe, the full-length album. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that was kind of my exposure was uh, through the House of Blues. And then I just really took a deep dive into Howlin' Wolf. Yeah, Muddy oh, Waters. great, yeah. Uh, on the harmonica, Little Walter kicked the door open for me. Uh, Junior Wells. Cool. Uh, Paul Butterfield just loved that oh, uh, man, harmonica yeah. tone that he saw later on. So, right. So I've been all years and listening and, uh, and then just picking up things along the way. And uh, even some Sonny Boy Williamson, like how does he 
how can he carry a room with just himself and some snaps yeah, and yeah. Uh, some stories and just picking up things from those who came before me. Cool. So. Cool. And, and those are just, you know, the real, um, uh, staples of the, of the blues environment, you know, um, and Chicago is such a great place for the blues. Did you ever play like at blue Chicago or, um, you know, any of those, uh, dedicated kind of blues bars in the, um, in the I've, Chicago area? I have a history in some rock and roll bands yeah. in the city. So we played all around from Park West to Metro. Oh, wow. The old Double Door. Um, oh, House yeah. Blues, um, even the old Thurston's for those that uh, knew Chicago before they, that turned to rubble. Yeah. Um, across from Elbow Room there. But as far as like those blues clubs that you mentioned, I, uh, I've been, I did more sideman uh-huh. work before I started writing my own tunes. Right. And my background accompanying through the encouragement of my mother's uh, tutelage when I was a kid just allowed me to listen to the people that I would play with. So wow. it made me a good sideman because I could, I could harmonize vocally uh-huh. and I could play some uh, harmonies on uh, the instrument of choice for the song, whether it's uh, some violin or harmonica or a little guitar or lap steel. And, and I've done that for a few guys uh, through, the, through the years, uh, both in Chicago and then on the trains and around the country. What was the band that you were playing at all these, uh, uh, you know, playing rock songs with it? Park West and Double Door and Thurston's and all those what you were talking about? Yeah, um, a, a great uh, six piece uh, galloping horse band called the High Grass Dogs. Uh, it conquered a bunch of those uh, clubs and we had a great tone and had a Hammond uh, B3. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, Fender Rhodes, some great keys, as well as two amazing guitar players and really thumping rhythm section. And um, we had uh, harmonies as well. And so uh, that was real cool. That was, what was your part in those bands? Were you playing guitar? Were you playing uh, harmonica at that time? Yeah, I was, um, I was singing and then playing a little harmonica. The guitar players were so good yeah. and really just nailed it. I kind of felt like... You know, bringing sand to the beach a little bit. <laughs> so when you, do it. when you talked about uh, learning how to play harmonica from your days at uh, the House of Blues in Chicago, um, doesn't sound like it was that long ago. That House of Blues hasn't been there that long. You know, it was a bowling alley for a long time, and uh, so you were, were were you playing in this rock band before you learned how to play harmonica, or was it uh, kind of? It yeah. happened as a result. I would say that I, I picked it up um, a long time ago and just sort of scratched at it here or there for mm-hmm. a number of years. You know, having a few other instruments at my disposal, you kind of pick and choose your moments for what you want to apply yourself towards yeah. and how yeah. much time you have to apply yourself to, right. towards it. Um, but, yeah, I would do it for some solos. And, um, and then I, my emphasis changed to... Um, picking certain notes to just provide um, a harmony balance for a troubadour. Yeah. Um, and so just learning how to approach it in different ways. Once I started playing with my own stuff, it became more like, okay, how much can I cover? Not how much do I sit back in the company yeah. and just provide what's necessary for the song or for the person. You went it's from more, being a side man to kind of making it your own. That's right. Yeah. And then allowing a little bit of um, a little bit of room to just identify who you are coming across and portraying, not portraying, but who you are delivering yeah. your tone as. Uh, you'd mentioned it's kind of rare to hear, 
you know, someone just with the harmonica and, and I agreed, but it was just what I was hearing in my head. So I started doing boot stops. I tried like, how else can I make some more noise? Uh-huh. Um, and so kind of adding some percussion with the back of your foot. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Boot stomps. Yeah. yeah. And even like maybe there's some mouth clicks to emphasize uh-huh. like a quarter note or something or, you know, a turn of a phrase. You kind of want it. You got nothing else. You got to yeah. grunt or click or. And, uh, you know, that, that's been appreciated by people at all stops from my train tr- tours to, you know, over at Infusco. You yeah. Know? So. It tra- it uh, it translates right, and so and then you were classically trained, uh, so you learn how you already knew how to read music and you knew uh, music theory at that point, and here you're coming in with you know one of the the you know barest of instruments and uh, bringing that kind of background to it. I have no idea what the notes are on a page for the harmonica. I have, I, if you put a, a sheet of music in front of me, I would have no idea how to read it. I could with the violin to this to this day. Yeah. And so then I've been taking that a little bit more uh, old Celtic, some more double stops, some more haunting Ken Burns Civil War kind of, vibe, uh-huh. you know. Um, and then just kind of getting out of the way and just allowing your emotions to kind of express that. But. Early on, classically, like my Bach and Mozart and Vivaldi, and then uh-huh. in the church, it was a good church choir, so we uh, toured around and whatnot. So I got to, as a young boy, sing with uh, young guys who are like really good singers and uh, and older, and um, you know, and they kind of they would just challenge you by the nature uh-huh. of their experience, and you're in the same room. It just kind of makes you step up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. You know, you mentioned, uh, the double door and it just keeps, uh, resonating in my mind. I used to love that place. I yeah. mean, it was, uh, just about as down and dirty as you got. And, you know, I, I, uh, went there and a friend of mine was playing. So we got to go down into the green room, which is just like catacombs down there, you know? And I'm, and you know, this is all right before they closed down the place. Do you remember that whole thing when, you know, the landlord wanted to kick them out and they had a, they thought that they did what they were supposed to do to ex- extend their lease. Oh, I don't know. I was I was on top of that because I was like, what's going on here? How come they're closing this place down? But, uh, you know, that was when you could see through the floor and and the, the bar was just dusty and, and decrepit and, you know, you couldn't get anyone's attention to, like, get a drink. And uh, it was, you know, pretty yeah. wild kind of place for sure. Right in the center of, you know, Bucktown. Like literally at that uh, Milwaukee Grand and uh, North Avenue intersection, I want to say. Yeah, Bucktown and Damon. Yeah, and, uh, or Damon. Uh, that's uh, Wicker, the other Wicker one. Wicker Park yeah. and Bucktown, right at the uh, intersection. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Played so many place. cool shows there, and uh, in the Dirt Room, um, another guy who plays up and down Rarell, Keith Scott. Uh, oh yeah, Keith Scott. Yeah, played a bunch of times with Keith. Done some recording Have you? with okay. him. Okay, uh, got some nicknames from doing some studio work with him. <laughs> you know, we're, we're thick, and, and uh, I hope he hears this. He's a good dude, and I uh, look forward to playing with him again. I, last time I saw Keith, he was playing with the Newport guys, uh, Bill Bilby, and um, oh, the the um, uh, harmonica player from uh, South Bend, I'm the tall guy. Jeez, uh, I can't remember. He's been on the show before, but. Uh, yeah, so he's uh, doing a little thing with them. Yeah, yeah, we go we go way back. And, That's great. You know, you mentioned the double door. Just a real quick story. I was one of the lucky few who caught uh, the Rolling Stones. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. 
So, and having played there before, I knew that there were certain spots on the stage where it would always, I'd have some feedback issues uh-huh. as, as a singer for the bands that I was in. And, yeah. And, uh, Sure enough, watching Mick Jagger up there get the same squealing feedback, <laughs> same spot on the stage. I thought. That How was do you favorite. like that? So no one was immune to <laughs> that, that, that bad stage sound. <laughs> but what a great spot! I, I do, yeah. I do miss it and that vibe. And and uh, you know, I'm a sucker for history and tradition. I just love old yeah. architecture, old buildings, and even if it's I a little know. dirty, you know, a little spirit. For sure, that's what you got to earn that dirt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that had some you know real character for sure. Yeah, and then then there you mentioned the Park West, another outstanding venue, but like a real modern venue, you know, that they could convert to have like all seats, and then you know, or they could have it all just opened up. I mean, they you know that was a really pretty cool place there. I've seen a saw Jeff Beck there. That was a lot of fun. Wow. Yeah, that was a sitting crowd though. I'll tell you, we were you know there was it, it wasn't any dancing going on. It was uh, just um, you know everyone's there to listen. And clap politely at the end. Yeah, but, I, was, uh, I got to listen to uh, Tedeschi and Trucks at Park West. Did you really? I don't think I've ever seen them there. And oh man, they're just wow. I mean, what a great singer she is, she, and then what a just yes. generational special slide player he is. Yes, just, that's such a great way to put it. And you but, just hear it, and you're like, "Yep, I know him." Yeah, <laughs> I had that. I yeah. saw Trucks right there. Oh man! Well, he got to start like at ten years old, and then played with the Allman Brothers like at nineteen. I mean, he was a true child prodigy, and just happened to have a famous uncle, you know, Butch Trucks, the drummer from uh, Allman Brothers. So, uh, yeah, I've been following that dude since uh, Crossroads of two thousand seven when uh, wow. he played. Uh, you know, he was playing with Eric Clapton at the time, and um, that was. Uh, and then he played again in 2010 with the full band at that point. That was, uh, yeah, um, Derek Trucks and Susan Tedeschi. And she does have such an unbelievable voice. And the funny thing is, it's like, you know, she's got the sweetest talking voice, you know, she and she's taking on this little um, southern accent a little bit. And then she gets on stage and she gets that like, kind of little, little snarl look on her face and <laughs> just belts it out. Is Bonnie Raitt here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like she's channeling great. Bonnie Raitt kind of. Uh, so I, I'm a, definitely a big fan of it. I did not know that they ever played at the Park West. I mean, they've been playing at the Chicago Theater for the last bunch of years. You know, this they, was many moons ago. But yeah. yeah. Wow. Uh, so we're, we got you all set up to play something. You want to wanna play something now? Yeah. All yeah, right, sure. cool. What are we going to hear? Well, I figured I'd play uh, I'd play something off Dark Horse Deluxe and um, I mentioned making other sort of noises in the room to make things kind of fly when yeah. you're just doing the solo thing. So this one has some boot stomps on it and figured I'd go ahead and start with this one and uh, it's called I Need You. All right. <laughs> I need you like a bird needs air 
under his wings in order to fly. Like a fish needs water rolling off his back to keep him cool. Great. And that's from uh, the album that you put out, uh, Dark... Um, Dark Horse Deluxe. Dark Horse Deluxe. And uh, when did that one come out? Yeah, I put that out in uh, 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah. So do you... Um, uh, where did you record it? How did you put it all together? You know, I recorded at a place in Chicago called uh, The Workshop Jones. And um, these songs all were written uh, in a batch after a train tour to Austin and New Orleans and back to Chicago. Oh, man. Was that the city of New Orleans, the train that called the city of New Orleans? I took that back. <laughs> yep. I took the train to Austin to meet up with the troubadour to record a couple tunes uh-huh. south of Austin. And on that train, I believe that is the Texas Eagle. Um, out of Chicago Union Station, half the the eastern part of that state was on fire at that time. Oh wow! And Amtrak line was down to like three miles an hour through some of the charred parts of the line, and that was to prevent kicking up any embers. Uh-huh. And it was real intense uh, situation in that part of the state. And in fact, I uh, the first gig we were playing with that troubadour in San Marcos, Texas, uh, met a cattle ranch farmer, and uh, he was. A, drinking in the uh in a bar in the middle of the day and uh, i just started talking to him like what's what's going on man you know and like and, and he said that fire it took everything oh no he said it burned wow. our, our property we had to sell our prized heifers just to break even it was i've lost wow. i've lost it all jeez and it inspired a couple of the tunes off dark horse deluxe called uh, uh tierra queimada and if you're a live one and it's about the charred earth it's about people losing everything 
and uh, just trying to find the will to move on after yeah. such a loss. Wow. And to have taken that train ride, you know, with the click, 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 click as you're going, I mean, that must have had some inspiration too, just being on the train and seeing all this stuff going on around you and, and uh, you know, knowing that you're going to be on the train for 30 hours or whatever it was. Absolutely. That, uh, that, that contributes to the, to the whole, uh, you know, everything going behind it. Did you do the writing while you were on the train or just those, that was part of the inspiration for some of the writing? Yeah, that was, you know, I did all the writing when I got back to Chicago, um, but I was inspired by the train trip that, that run to Austin. Then we went to New Orleans and uh, uh, met a girl on the train and we hit it off and had a good time. And that inspired some other songs that made it on the record. Um, by the what time an I, adventure. <laughs> I know. And you know what? I really needed it too. And I think yeah. what, what is significant with this whole thing was that I was in a bit of a rut in Chicago. I felt, you know, yeah, fortunate to be where I was, I, you know, count my blessings and all, but just not really feeling like my wheels are, are, are turning or getting some traction. And, yeah. And that's when that troubadour said, Hey man, I just did this EP. I'm going to book a 30 day rail pass. I'm going to travel around the country to play these songs. Would you like to join me? I love the way you play it. And I was like, man, this could be, that's this could cool. be what I need is to kind of bust out a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and so I did. And when I got back, I was like just pacing like a lion in a cage. I just <laughs> was like, oh, man, I don't know what to do with all this. And one of my dear friends was like, man, you look terrible. <laughs> you need you need to write this. You need to start writing some songs. Get and, it out of you. And so I did. And I woke up the next day and I wrote um, I, I wrote Miss New Orleans, uh, Tell Me Jesus. I wrote a bunch of – I wrote all of these songs in 10 days. And they just kept coming. Yeah, They wow. kept coming. And – a couple things that's a value there to me is like if you're feeling like you're kind of bound up and caught in a situation, there are things that could potentially jostle you and not only take you out of a bad situation, but potentially provide you with an opportunity moving forward that you didn't see existed. Well, absolutely. You know, and sometimes all it takes is to, you know, uh, break out of your regular routine and uh, get yourself to be more present. Uh, you know, you're stuck and doing the same thing over and over and, and you just kind of lose track of, of what's important or uh, you know, what, uh, what, you know, what really turns the wheels. And uh, when you're able to step away from all that, you know, everything is new and everything is, you know, more interesting as a result. And so, we all need to be doing that. That's what vacations are basically. But, uh, you know, there's vacations where you're just sitting around and do it like just moving your same thing over to somewhere, maybe a little warmer. And then there's, you know, real, you know, recreation, like real vacations, like separations from your regular daily life where, you know, you're just immersed in something else. And that sounds like what this train trip was all about. You know, you yeah. broke away from your, you know, all the stuff going on in Chicago and, and, uh, got to, you know, really get down to yourself. And I think that's a story that has uh, relevance and merit in today in a post COVID world with oh, yeah. a lot of people getting gut punched and a lot of people just qu having to start over. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, some people uh, did pretty well during the time, but certainly not everybody. Um, most people I know have lost people as well. And this example of trying of maybe even imparting your will via a decision to get out of your area and out of what you're comfortable 
it can uncover parts of you that you perhaps forgot about or never knew existed or perhaps is just waiting to kind of have a little room to come out from you into your life. Yeah. And that's definitely what I went through in that train trip that, that came to me in the form and then what revealed itself in all those songs afterwards. I mean, I didn't go on that train trip saying, how about I get so inspired that I write tunes that'll change my life. Yeah. But sure enough, it happened. Right. So it's there for all of us, I believe. And it's not like you uh, left home, went on this trip and came back with new knowledge to then everything changes. You know, it's like your whole perspective on things change. Sometimes, it, you know, and the more significant that event is, that, uh, you know, thing that you do, um, the, the more it really changes everything forever. Uh, you know, sometimes you uh, take a little break and go and do something and then come back and everything's just still the same. And sometimes, you know, it hits hard enough and deep enough that uh, to the point where it, it compels you to, you know, write all these songs and capture everything. And then you come back and it's just, it can't be the same, you know, it's just everything right. it moves. And so, you know, you put together this record. Uh, and the first one was uh, an EP. Uh -huh. I, I was like, all right, shoot, I got, I got a bunch of cool tunes and something, I might be able to do something with this. And so I picked my four favorite ones at the time and said, well, I'll do an EP called By Rail because I'm ready. To, I can just put that stuff down. And yeah. My kick drum was a brief case with oh, a microphone awesome. thrown in. I had saw blades <laughs> on there. And just anything that made cool tones. Yeah. And I had a studio at the time and the luxury of being there at all hours of the night so I could just set up a mic and make noises and say, oh, you know what? That would be really cool on the bridge on this song, you know, or, oh, that's in the intro on this song, you know, and just start to, to build it a little bit. So those uh, those songs kept coming. The ideas happened, but then I had I was able to build on them. And some tunes that I wrote on guitar ended up being songs that I play on the harmonica uh -huh. and vice versa. Yeah. So, yeah. So is that the first writing experience that you'd had at that time or had you written songs before that? I had written songs uh, before then. I had written songs um, on acoustic guitar mm -hmm. and, uh, but not a whole lot, just a small handful. This really kind of, for me, just popped the lid on, on a whole nother way of being. And, when I was writing songs that ended up on by rail and dark horse deluxe, I remember thinking, you know what? I'd like to do maybe something that's just like, just a classic sort of, you know, a little more up tempo. Maybe it's a little, uh, ragtimey vibe. Maybe there'll be a little horn in there and out came let's meet in Memphis. And, you know, I just started writing the lyrics. Uh, the lyrics were easier because they're all true. They were just true stories. Yeah. So yeah. It, I was, there was nothing really contrived. It was, you know, just, did, just did you lines. have like the story and then incorporated, you know, kind of the melody or the mute, you know, the, the music part of it to it, or did it all come at one time? Like, you know, this is the, the song of, you know, uh, the girl from new Orleans or it, how did it all come together for each song? Yeah, it was it was different for each song. There were some where I wrote the lyrics uh, almost like a poem and then just felt like, okay, how am I moved by these? And then others, um, I just started writing down like Miss New Orleans, let me tell you my story about my time in the Big Easy. You know, I met this brown-haired beauty queen who I called Miss New Orleans. 
You know, that wrote that song in 25 minutes. Yeah, the it best just, ones are written like that. You know, <laughs> it just kind of came uh, out. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you mentioned earlier in our conversation about um, the rhythm of the train. And, oh, yeah. And yeah. I didn't want to leave that hanging because I, I wanted to say that when I wrote these tunes and started traveling, bringing them to people, just like I was kind of shown by that troubadour, Matt Campbell, Dollar Bill Campbell, who is now in Warsaw, Poland. Uh, hopefully he gets to listen to this and gets a kick out of it sometime. But um, I started taking my tunes uh, to people via the train. And sure enough, you know, those long train rides uh-huh. start writing them. You know, I yeah. hear that rhythm. Uh-huh. You just hear all sorts of weird noises. Then you have thoughts like it's three in the morning. No one is up. You know, is the conductor cool? Yeah. Is he awake? Yeah, right. Like, oh, <laughs> what is that over there? You know, are we, you know, just lots of questions. Your sure. mind gets going and yeah. So I would just bring my notebook and my guitar and harmonicas and I would just start capturing my thoughts. And there are some tunes on the next record that are from the train, specifically the empire builder train line between Chicago and Seattle. It's a uh, 2200 miles. Oh man. One way, 47 and a half hours, one way. Jeez. And so, I, I don't get uh, sleeper cars. I just stay in coach. Uh-huh. And so you try to, you just have to make yourself comfortable where you can. And sometimes in these, in the uh, observation deck, they have three seats next to each other that you can kind of stuff Stretch some out a little bit. In and, and, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's certainly not luxury, but it's a way not only to get to a destination of your choice, but also to expose yourself to a whole new situation. For sure. That I don't think needs to be viewed at through the lens of, oh, they're going to be late. What troubles am I going to have? Um, this and that and the other thing. You know, it's more about submitting yourself to the journey. Yeah. And not being so tied into seeing if every stop is on time or even the destination. Maybe give yourself a little buffer because going through the backyards of so many people throughout right. America seeing these cities, taking the time to, wow, what's this deal all about? You get to stop, maybe you can learn something new, and you truly just get taken out of your environment and what you're comfortable with, and you're just thrown into this country and these lines, for better or for worse. Yeah. And it's cool. It's a it's a shakeup. I mean, if anyone's listening, thinking, man, I could, I need to scratch my itch. I could you know, I need to get out of here, do something different. I, it's a pretty cool way to do that. And yeah. I know people say, well, didn't somebody just die last month on the train? And, and didn't that one have, uh, you know, the, the, on the overpass, there was this, it's going to happen. Sure. Cars Stuff crash happens. every day yeah. with planes. And there was even that issue just a couple of weeks ago with a train from like, uh, like Detroit to Chicago. And it took like 20 hours and people got stuck on the side <laughs> and, and like walk, you know, had to hail ubers out of gary indiana and stuff like that i don't know if you heard about that i did hear yeah. about it. <laughs> that's the other side of the train journey oh i've but, heard all all of that frustration yeah rolling over yeah for sure on the train it can, it can. well you know uh, america is still trying to figure out their train uh you know situation trains were the only way to get across the united states you know back in what in the 1800s and late 1800s and stuff like that and uh and they've been supplementing it like the government's, you know, supplements the Amtrak and the train industry and has like since the beginning almost. It just has not really caught on as a primary, you know, way to get around like it has in Europe where it's so easy. And, you know, there's 
trains all the time and you can, you know, rent a sleeper cabin and, and, um, you know, everything just runs, you know, very strictly on time. And then, you know, like you say, you come back to America and, uh, you know, there's delays and you can't expect it to arrive when you want. But that share the lines with the freight it's, yeah, companies. yeah, exactly. Oh, there's there's so much going on. What so and, and who's riding these trains? You know, I mean, did you did you interact with people on the trains? I mean, it's uh, it's a funky scene. It's it, it, it is it like people that are afraid to fly. So they take the train or are they out there for the adventure like you? You will truly get the lot. Uh, yeah. But um, one of the most interesting legs I had was from Los Angeles to um, where was that? Uh, does it stop in Austin? I can't remember that line down there, but it was we were all on our way to New Orleans. I believe it was Los Angeles and then it goes to um, San Marcos, maybe, or it goes into San Antonio. I have to get out my system map, but wow. the point of this is that. Um, so it follows 10 almost the whole way, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, that line, you go through West Texas, and like when the sun is just oh, thinking yeah. about coming up, so the sky goes from pitch black to like cobalt, <laughs> and, and there's nothing. And if you're awake, then you just watch that little spot on the horizon form. And then when there's light, you see a little circle of RVs in the middle of the desert in West Texas. And you're like, what the heck? Are you yeah. Doing? What are those guys doing? Some there? sort of flag up there. And there's a ton of, uh, artist communities from my understanding mm -hmm. that just want to do their thing and wow. be left alone and then come out and sell some work, but just kind of be on their own out there. And those are some of the, just some of the things that plenty of natural, uh, wonders that you see, but on this train line, met all sorts of musicians. There was this ukulele mm. player from uh, Mexico that was on board. There was a couple uh, from Australia that uh, they wanted to take the trains around the country and end up in New Orleans. And I said, well, I'm here. <laughs> My buddy's this troubadour. We're, we're playing a couple shows in New Orleans. We'll have to get together and hang. Maybe we'll do some busking, you know? And so sure enough, you know, we got oh, together. Oh, man, and that's awesome. So, you know, it can be a taxing experience, so sometimes it's hard to take the train. But other times, you meet people from around the world, and it's once in a while. Right. You may just share some music. You may make a friend. Um, it may just be an experience where you don't even remember their name, but that's all right because it was just the moment that you were seeking. Yeah. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, when's the last time you did one of those train rides? Man, too long. You know, I... After I released Dark Horse Deluxe, um, had some um, uh, family situations that uh, I wasn't able to push the record in a, in a fashion that I thought it really deserved at the time from uh, uh, parental things and old family houses and just looking after those that came mm -hmm. before us. And and then, uh, you know, hidden into the pandemic, leading up to the pandemic, it sort of changed um, the not the ability, but the landscape for um, investing a little bit more in this record. So, oh, right. Yeah. And so now that it's over and I've traveled, I've got all these new tunes. I've got another album waiting to uh, record. Uh -huh. yeah. Uh, and then it's great to also talk about this record, which I think has a lot of, a lot of teeth in it, a lot of traction, a lot of honest songs that are going to outlive me and, and some really good uh, amplifier tone for those harmonica lovers. Uh, all my amps are 1960, 61, tube-powered, um, eight-inch Jensen speakers. 
um, all original that I as much that I can have them serviced properly. And so the tone delivery is something that I think that is familiar, but is brand new too. Like yeah, it'll it holds up. You know, uh, before we started, we were setting up, and and I was like, oh, I'll just play the harmonica through your microphone and. And Frank's like, no, 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 you got to listen with the amp. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I, and there is a major difference with the amp. I mean, it just, you've created this tone um, as part of your style, I guess. Do you you want to play a song through the amp now? Let's see how, what kind of uh, different, uh, so we could sort of, you know, mark the difference. Yeah, yeah, I'd okay, be happy cool. to. I'd be happy to, yeah, I. I um, really insisted on this this particular amp all over the record, and um, there are times if I feel like I want a little reverb that I've, I've got this mid-'70s Fender outboard reverb, no speakers in it, but just the amp. And so it gives us just a little bit more uh-huh. tube juice. So really and, like that kind of faithfulness to old tones. And, and then um, what kind of microphone... Um, are you using with that amp? It's, um, it's a special harmonica microphone? It is. It's an old Turner microphone, uh-huh. and it used to be on those mics that you see in the old movies or baseball games where they press it and, they, and they'll talk. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like that kind of That's right. <laughs> and there's a, there's a harp player out uh, on the East Coast um, named Sonny Jr., and um, I bought one of his amps way back in the day, and he modifies harmonicas but only for those that buy his amplifiers. You uh-huh. can't just get the get a you know yeah. the mic. So I got this turner in my hand. It was uh, sprayed the color of a fifties Ford Comet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's got a controlled magnetic element like in it. Teal blue. Yeah. <laughs> and it just has a special push for me that I've I've really I've really enjoyed. And I've taken this I've taken this on the train, you know, uh-huh. it's just come everywhere. Yeah. Me, so uh, so the harmonicas you use, are they a particular brand that you prefer and, and that kind of thing? I mean, I yeah. see you have, you know, all of the different um, keys of harmonica, which is standard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, I first started out playing some Marine band and uh, fooling around some Lee uh, Oscars. Uh-huh. And um, I settled on uh, the Honer Special 20s. Ah. And they just feel a little a little better in my, in my mouth. Uh-huh. Like some of the other ones are a little chunkier and, um, I just liked the tone and it just worked for me and I just stuck with it. And so now I've got it across the, uh, the whole line. Yeah. Even sharps and flats. So I can, you know, as I mentioned, if I'm, if I'm playing on a troubadour, I want to be able to, if he's like, Hey, I'm an a flat, you know? Okay. Well, I play cross harp. So I'd pull out my D, D uh-huh. flat harp then. Um, but I got it. So, you know, cool. Yeah, that's how I, that's how I do it. And before you play, um, on Dark Horse Deluxe, uh, are there any other musicians that play on you on that album, or is it all just you? No, it's it's definitely a, a, some very talented uh, players on uh, on drums. Is Larry Beers? Larry cool. Beers has been around the Chicago scene for decades. Um, just supreme drummer, just outstanding ability. And and um, I teased him because I said, "Yeah, you're you're too you're overqualified here because I'm going to ask <laughs> you to play little." <laughs> I kind of want you just hold back, but we've got a love thing going, and uh, you know, it was I was thrilled to have him on on the whole thing. Um, Patrick Donley, D O N L E Y, is another real talented guy that was all over the session. He works with Pushkin Studios in Chicago and does work all over the city, north side, south side, and even with some international talent as well. 
Um, he's the kind of guy who can write parts for an entire entire orchestra, and he could take a chart and write it for another instrument, and he just can hear it and put it on paper. And wow. he's a great musician, too. He's on the record on uh, keyboards, uh, guitar, and then kick drum on uh, Let's Meet in Memphis. Cool. And I've got a couple real strong lady singers on there, um, Mary Porzelt um, and uh, Katie Caden. And Katie Caden, that name may sound familiar to people. She was on The Voice in, um, I believe that was 2017, and really blew people away just as she'd blown all of us away uh, in Chicago. And um, I thought she was going to take the whole thing. And I believe she got third, but she gained a lifetime of love and loyalty from people who were just moved by how she sings. Uh And my buddy, Anthony Rubino, uh, when he, he heard my songs and he knew I wanted some uh, some ladies with strong voices to sing on there, he said, you look no further, my yeah, friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's and great. And so, yeah, she crushed it. And uh, I haven't approached her about um, another singing on the next record, but I certainly will. I just She's a yeah. sweetheart of a person, too, with a powerhouse voice. Did you ever listen to any of that Jerry Garcia um, solo stuff, like with uh, Melvin Seals or, um, oh, geez, what was the keyboard player's name? Uh, I'm, I'm forgetting now, but they had these unbelievable backup singers and they were playing like all these sort of old timey tunes, but just, you know, stretching them out. And there's one version of mystery train that is like, you know, he just mm. takes you on a train. Like you're on this train. Uh, listen for that anyway. I but, will. Uh, <laughs> that's that's one of my favorites. All right. So, uh, which song you, you going to play? And, uh, it's from Dark Horse Deluxe as well. That's right. That's right. I think I'll play. Um, I think I'll do one. Uh, it's called Mudbug. All right. Good song. Yeah, you know that one, Frank. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And yeah, for everyone who just might have tuned in, we're listening to Calvin Conway. you off my mind mud bug a double lever can't get my mind off you poor boys at parasols a muffled letters at the water's head Mudbug, a full moon, don't want you off my mind. Mudbug, you full moon, don't want you off my mind. White sugar beignets are working on sweet cafe
took your whole shoe. Don't want my eyes off you. Mud bug, your whole shoe. Don't want my eyes off you. Your sweet brown skin. Those lips look ready to kiss. That was awesome. So, Calvin Conway uh, from uh, Mudbug from um, Dark Horse Deluxe. That's right. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Geez, I was reminded of a couple things while you were playing, and uh, now I've spaced them out. But uh, so, I did remember the name of the um, the harmonica player who used to play with uh, the new, or is you know playing with the Newports, Jumpin' Gene. They call him. I don't know. It doesn't okay. ring any bells. He's a former professor from South Bend. And he plays with his buddies in this band called the Newports. Do you know what about Dan Beaver? You ever uh, run into Dan Beaver? He's a local guy here, and he um, does a lot of blues harmonica. Um, plays at plays. God, do you remember uh, Frank? Do you remember yeah. Dan's new band's name? Oh no! I, well, anyway, sorry, I don't. Yeah, um, they, played, <laughs> they played at Buddy Guys. Yeah, is it Buddy Guys and, recently? And Buddy did even get up on stage with him yeah wow. and wow. just did a That's little vocals he didn't play guitar yeah played with Toronzo cannon when Toronzo yeah. was at uh, the acorn a couple acorn, month right. ago or so um so yeah. you know he's been around and he's got this big old belt of uh his you know um harmonicas just hanging off and he just you know pulls them out like um Kind of like those banderos, you know, with the bullet vest. Yeah, he's got, like the, he's the, got band, that. the bandolier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like a big belt. It kind of looks like a um, uh, fanny pack a little bit, but uh, all good. Yeah. All yeah, good, he's Dan. He's a good guy. He's from uh, Michigan <laughs> City yeah. originally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. And yeah. what are you doing up in Harbor Country? How did you even get here? You, you know, we've only been talking about all the Chicago stuff, but here you are, you know? Well, you know... Uh, Keeping my schedule, uh, controlling my the dynamics of my schedule a little bit more uh, with playing music in Chicago. Going back a long time, I'd pick up painting, carpentry gigs. Um, I started doing some work for a friend of mine, Alan Palmer, and uh, he, in Chicago. And uh, he said, "Man, I got some work out here. I just moved out to Lakeside." Uh, and I love the way you paint. And so he started lining up some work for me. I started lining up some work. I just, every time I'd come out here, I would love getting out of the city. Like oh, as soon as I got past Chesterton, yeah. I just was like, all right. And, and then, you know, even if it was at night, I'd get out of the car, close the door, and you just, it smells different. The oh, air yeah. feels different. The insects, you know, and it just, I kept coming out here for these gigs. And then 
I just thought, you know, after the hundred, three hour, two and a half hour drive back in the city or traffic, this and that, yeah. you know, I said, I wanted to see if I can make a go at this. So yeah, cool. so I, I moved out here and started pick, trying to pick up some more work and keep music in the fold and, and do them both. And, um, you know, like, like I said before, with the last few years have changed, uh, changed an awful lot. And that, uh, so I'm looking to kind of find a, a uh, the next groove with all these great tunes that I've got uh-huh. off another record and um, some existing tunes that uh, can kind of still sink my teeth into and get the point across. Really looking to get some of these train songs across. And some of the one of the other things I did during some of the downtime in the pandemic was research a little bit more, dive deep into some of my uh, uh, pioneer ancestors and um, the, some of the uh, Irish Americans that came out of Appalachia in the early 18. 18- uh, 20s oh yeah after the uh, illinois land grant act of 1822 which was is that what got in, your family out in this direction that's right the yeah. state capital of vandalia illinois back uh-huh. then uh <laughs> wow and uh yeah they heard tell of the call and wanted flat land and um you know an- another opportunity and so it took them a couple of years to get out but yeah they started all sorts of one-room schoolhouses and um all sorts of of animals and livestock uh, livestock and crops and a uh, rich legacy. And so I've got some real cool tunes that I've been working on. Oh, man, that, that's great. Uh, take pictures of uh, through song um, of these experiences. And I'm, I'm glad that that uh, ancestral information came to me. And and I'm currently uh, distilling some of that into some cool tunes. And I'm really excited to share them with people. Who are some of your uh, like inspirations, your musical inspirations? You know, we were talking about the Tedeschi Trucks Band, and uh, I, I hear you with those guys. You know, they are just. But you know, when it comes to playing a harmonica, you know, who are some of the um, you know blues harmonica players that um, that you were into? Well, I, I'd have James to... Cotton. You ever? Um, oh yeah, yeah he. He was unbelievable. <laughs> totally. Oh yeah, and I love his work with with Muddy Waters too. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I it all started with uh, Little Walter. Oh yeah, uh-huh. for me, Little Walter, and uh, you know, um, Junior Wells. I just mm-hmm. really sunk into his catalog as well, and um, you know, I like I like the way Howlin' Wolf blows hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, one of the guys I haven't mentioned on the harmonica, Steve Marriott from Small Faces, then Faces. Oh yeah, uh, Humble Pie. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Really good harmonica player, and some of the vibrato he gets. I mean, I wait to be moved to hear the tone, and when it moves me, I'm like, oh, that's it. Like, yeah, the, the hook set in the fish <laughs> with that one, and so yeah, I, I tip the cat to some of his uh, harp tone. Uh, as well, you know, early blues really loved some. He's not a harmonica player, but uh, Robert Johnson. Sure, yeah, I mean, he's and, the father. Uh, I mean, you know, and of course Willie Dixon. Yeah, you, know, you got to include him in any conversation about Chicago blues for sure. Um, but some tunes off Dark Horse Deluxe, I felt like those old timers, had they been in the room, would appreciate tunes like "Tell Me Jesus," absolutely, like, like a king. You know some of the really gut bucket. Yeah, parts well, that's of the a, you know your your songs and the way you play harmonica is just so from the heart, you know, and it's just so raw too. Yeah. Especially with like you know the the amps you use and the microphone you use, it really gets it, uh, you know, um, just down home. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. There's no and, net. And without a net. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> kind of brings out your 
brings out your best, you know. Right, right. An- another facet of like train travel is every day is new and fresh, and so it kind of it kind of begs you to bring your best to right. meet those new experiences. Just another thing, just yeah. throwing it out there. If anybody's hearing this right now on the radio, and they're like, "Man, I could." I'm itching for a change. I need to do something. Well, consider it. You know, that's the thing yeah. with the train ride. You're you're in people. You've mentioned before. You're like in people's backyards. You know, when you're on a road, there's there's off ramps. There's development around that highway. But when you're on a train, you know, you're behind everything, and uh, you get to see things that you you'd never get to see just riding down the highway. Um, and lots of pictures too. I mean, yeah, with the, with the great can the. You know, the way cameras have been evolving, you know, for every year, it seems like they're just better and better yeah. and better. Like, well, there's some really cool things out there to see. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And animals seem to get right up close to uh, to trains. I mean, I don't know if you saw a lot of animals on your way down, but like, you know, I don't know, deer, uh, things that are not really afraid of the trains going by every now and then. And, and you just get to see them right out of the windows. Yeah, I saw two wolves hunting in uh, Is that right? Montana. Yeah, that, oh, wow. that makes it in my song called the 157, which which will be off the next record, and that is a uh, an ode, a tribute to the number of the, the locomotive called the 157 uh-huh. that pulls the Empire train builder uh-huh. uh, from Chicago to Seattle back. Cool. And uh, yeah, on that line, one of the lines was uh, two wolves hunting saw it Montana way, half moon rising saw it Dakota way. <laughs> So uh, I've got uh, got a lot of lot of cool pictures and a lot of cool memories and some great songs from the experiences. Cool. Um, so do you have uh, shows coming up? Where how can how can the uh, listeners see you? <laughs> I'm playing at a local poor. You in, are in Sawyer. I love local poor. Yeah, that is yeah. Friday. Oh, cool. Uh, the 25th of November. All right. And it's going to be about six to eight, maybe five thirty to. 7 30 yeah oh awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah. That, that's a great place for local music and chalet brings you know just a great crowd and a great buzz and that'll be a lot of fun yeah and i'm really looking to uh, uh use this also as an opportunity to ex- expose some other people to uh, my tone because i would like to keep playing I li- around here yeah I, I really enjoy this part of the state and although i would definitely want to get back on that train I really w- want to keep a presence going around here. And so, Frank, now I got you. Thanks for, you know, being some grease on the skids with, uh, uh, with my pleasure. Things. So appreciate you very much. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I enjoy it. I'm a fan. That's why I'm here. Yeah. yeah. And I know Johnny's a, a big blues fan, and I thought he would really dig up on your I am. <laughs> down old school, down home style. Yeah. Uh, um, which is great. You don't get to hear that a whole lot. No, I, no. I, I haven't heard it. And that's why, I mean, he's very entertaining with just a harp and a mic, but it's great to hear him too, even with a band. And I love the recording of dark, uh, dark, dark horse, horse deluxe. deluxe. It's great. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks, man. so he's very versatile. And, um, I think, uh, a lot more people should come out and, uh, Check them out and get turned on to them and go out. You're on Spotify also, right? Yeah. I was going to ask you. So um, is Dark Horse Deluxe on Spotify? Uh, it is. All right. Yep. Cool. That's it, a good way to definitely get out access there. to it. I know some people like to just uh, stay on YouTube and whatnot. I'm, I'm there as well. And there's some, some interviews as well uh, through the years. And I'm hoping that this one makes it up there sometime. Is there a Facebook YouTube. page and Instagram page and stuff like that? You'd... Yeah. Uh, Calvin Conway music. All right. On Instagram as well as on uh, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah. 
Okay. And then uh, when is this album uh, supposed to come out? Uh, do you have a timeline for it for at least recording it? You know, I, I don't yet. I've got versions uh, on my phone. I usually start of like voice memos to kind of uh-huh. n- nurture the songs, push them along, and then maybe do it on the four-track memo uh, app on the phone as well uh-huh. you know, just to get some new ideas and whatnot. Um, but there are people that I would like to play with and um, and then some people that I don't have lined up where I know that I would like to get some more heavy hitters involved. Yeah. Um, so I don't have a time uh, table, but some songs are, I mean, there are a bunch of songs that are just already right there fully arranged. And then some I want to flush out a little bit more with a little more instrumentation. Right. Patrick Donnelly, I mentioned in the city. Yeah. Uh-huh. is such a great talent that it just, he's got great ideas as well. And he, and he works with, uh, international musicians and, um, and really appreciates the sound that I have. And in fact, it makes him want to set his other instruments down and he grabs his banjo now. <laughs> and so we see how That's we can kind great. of turn some of these tunes on their ear a little uh-huh. bit and it works. It holds up. We did a couple shows in the city, Ina May's Tavern in Wicker Park. Oh, sure. Play, playing a brunch and we played the Northman River Walk in the Chicago River uh, a couple months ago. And uh, and those, those instruments, uh, really, they hold up. Played those gigs with Jake Gold as well. He's another Chicago hmm. musician. You might see him at Empty Bottle. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, so I had a, you know, we were talking about Dark Horse Deluxe and the recording of it and all that. Um, and, you know, so when you recorded it, did you guys all, were you all in the same room and played live? Or did you do your particular parts and overdub and things like that? You know, the way this album came together was um, the latter. I, it was, uh, it was st- structured. It was, I would mm-hmm. write what I could. I started out with what I heard as uh, the appropriate percussion and play like a rough version. And then I brought it to my buddy, Larry Beers, and he was like, all right, well, let's let a real guy do this now. Here's son. <laughs> son. <laughs> no, he wasn't like that. He's, he's a sweet guy, but... Um, you know, just to get the point across in yeah. any sort of rough fashion, like, hey, this is what I'm hearing. I would, it would be cool if you could stay faithful to it. But if you feel like you want to express something, go ahead. But the guts of it are what, this is what I'm hearing and what I would like to keep. And so I would start with that. Um, even with uh, some of the back and vocals, like saying, this is, this is what I'm hearing and sing it myself if I can, or whistle the line if it was too high. Yeah. Um, and can communicate the thought. So it's kind of like uh, they, it was leaving some artistic license, but the parts were kind of there. Yeah. Um, I think what I would, I didn't have this as this luxury back then. Um, but now that it's <clears throat> completely finished, um, I would love to have a band just totally rehearsed up on it. Uh, just one take, play, one play take this to like two inch tape. Yeah. You know, I think it'd be really cool just to get some really thick versions of these tunes. But you know they're already out there. I, I, I want to. I've got new stuff as well. But you know, I, yeah. I think I think a lot of these tunes really hold up. So I think maybe down the road they they would absolutely be worthy of a uh, a remastering or re-recording. Not mm-hmm. that I think they lack in any fashion. I just think they could be celebrated even more with yeah. some outstanding arrangement and musicianship. But first things first, I got these current stories to tell of my time on the trains yeah. and then reflecting on some of the uh, the uh, the passageway of some of my ancestors from the mountains to the flat plains of Illinois. 
Well, Calvin, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. It was great to meet you. Good luck with recording the new album. Okay. Good luck in, uh, you know, getting more exposure in uh, Harbor Country. This is an unbelievable area for music and, uh, you know, it's just a lot of fun. There's a lot of people that really enjoy live music around here, and there's a lot of really outstanding musicians around here, Frank being one of them. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's getting better and better. Yeah. You know, compared to 20 years ago or so, and, um, there's a lot more places to to be seen and heard. There are, yes. And whereas before you had to drive all the way to, to Niles or South Bend. Right. And, uh, or, you know, back to Chicago. Right, right. <laughs> but now you got Livery and Benton Harbor and, and and a lot of breweries, which are starting to, you know, kind of um, yeah showcase a lot of talents and, and wineries, too. Right, right. And, uh, you know, you've you got to have that, I think. Uh, there's, there's only so many times you can just go do a little tasting and... You know what I mean? That gets kind For of boring. Sure. I, I want live music when I go out. It's, For sure. Yeah, and, me too. And I don't want to have to drive 20, 30 miles. So, like, I'm I'm hoping that the trend just catches on more and more around here. And yeah. there's a lot of younger players now, you know, that weren't around back when I was younger, yeah. <laughs> 20, 30 years ago, and uh, that are really good and, yeah. and they're, you know, pushing it forward. And uh, so it is getting a lot more exciting around here and. Yeah, and right. to those listeners who, who are like, I agree, man. I want to hear original live music. Well, make sure you close the loop. Just get out there and support those establishments through either getting something Definitely. to eat, something to drink. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, consider tipping the musician if uh, you Definitely. if you think that that's something you are comfortable with and want to do because it is a little bit of a lean road. Um, there are decisions you have to make to support that lifestyle, and so if it means something to you, it would mean an awful lot to those individuals to receive that appreciation and and i'm with you man i'd like for this this part of the state to just continue to resonate and just keep expanding and some real good musical opportunities real good shows and you know close enough to chicago to absorb some of that uh that historic musicality of the city and michigan has just been like a um, like a fertile ground for oh, yeah. musicians for yeah. Ever. yeah. So yeah. it's a good combo. Yep, yep. All right, Calvin Conway, uh, Frank Rotondo, yeah. thanks for coming on the show. You guys uh, have been listening to Radio Harbor Country. This is John Goldman. You're listening to the, the, um, uh, to the show, Johnny's Secret Stash, and we're at uh, WRHC 106.7 FM out of Three Oaks, Michigan, and WRHZ 93.5 out of Sawyer, Michigan. Good night, everybody.